Good morning. I'm excited to be here this morning, and I'm glad that you're here. And um, in regards to the weather, I enjoy all different types of weather. I enjoy the rain. I know I'm weird, okay? But rain always usually comes about nice things afterwards. When the sun comes up, there's that wonderful smell. It's awesome. So think about the good things. Look at the positive side of things. Because snow is coming, okay? I'm trying to work you into this slowly, all right? It's going to happen. And you can look at it as the worst thing of your life, or you can look at it as the best thing of your life. And uh, maybe you could find somewhere in between so you're not completely grouchy for seven months out of the year, okay? Go to Ezra chapter 5 with me. Ezra chapter 5. There's a lot going on in our world today, and um, especially in Ontario with COVID situation, I want to encourage you to continue to press forward. We don't know what that looks like. We really don't, but let's keep moving forward, and the message hopefully today will help you this. So let me ask you this question as we get started. What do you do when you're scared? What do you do when you're scared? Now, I'm not talking about when someone jumps out from behind a door and scares you, and you scream like a little girl and run off. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, when, what do you do when you're scared, like actually really scared? Scared for your life. Scared uh, that you aren't going to make it. Scared you can't provide. Scared you are going to mess things up again. Scared you're going to fail. What do you do when you are scared? You see, fear is a natural part of life. It's a good thing. You, there are things that you should fear. You should not get in front of a lion with meat smelling all over you and think that you're going to be okay, right? That you need some healthy fear in your life. Fear is a good thing, but fear comes and goes, and it's somewhat dependent upon our circumstances. You know, we look at our world today, and listen, there is a lot of fear, and it's dependent upon the circumstances that are around us. I have, I know some people that were extremely scared of COVID and then they got it. And they said, this isn't as bad as I was fearing. Now, I'm not trying to diminish COVID. What I am trying to say is that they were so scared that if they caught it, they would die. And it wasn't at that bad. You see, fear is dependent upon your circumstances. But the fact is this, everyone goes through fear. Everyone goes through fear. Just what do we do with it? How do we handle it? How do we deal with fear? There are so many stages in the rebuilding process. We've talked about many. There are stages that make you extremely nervous. Just looking at it, looking at the project, looking at how much there has to be done. There are stages that are extremely exciting. Man, things are starting to take form and take shape and things are beginning to progress. There are stages that increase your anxiety. Oh my goodness, what did I do here? How am I going to accomplish this? And then there are stages where you feel like a complete failure. And that's really where we have left the Jews in this story. But there are times in your life where you just determine that you are going to rebuild no matter what. There are times in your life where you get sick and tired of all these 
excuses. You get sick and tired of all these things that come in and try to disrupt what you're trying to do. You get sick and tired of it, and you just determine, I am going to rebuild. I am not going to let anything stop me from rebuilding. No fear, no fatigue, no friction, no failure is going to stop me from rebuilding. There is, if you will, the resolve to rebuild. That's the title of today's message, The Resolve to Rebuild. This is where we find the Jews in the book of Ezra. They have failed. They have been uh, really gone away from the building project of what God had intended for them to do for over 20 years. And here in Ezra chapter 5, we begin to see them develop a resolve to rebuild. Let's take a look at Ezra chapter 5 and verse 1. The Bible says this, Then the prophets of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Iddo, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem, in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. Then rose up Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josedach, and began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. And with them were the prophets of God helping them. Watch verse 3 now. At that at the same time came them Tatnai, governor of this side of the river, Shetharboznai, and their companions, and said unto them, Who hath commanded you to build this house and to make up this wall? Then said we unto them after this manner, What are the names of the men that make this building? But the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews, that they could not cause them to cease, till the matter came to Darius, and then they returned answer by letter concerning this matter. The copy of the letter that Tatnai governor on this side, the river and Shethrar Boznai and his companions, the Arphakites, which were on this side of the river, sent unto Darius the king, and then the letter starts. Basically, simplifying it down to say is they resolve that they're going to start rebuilding, and immediately, guess what happens? The adversaries show up again. Immediately, these people come and they say, who told you you could do this? What are your names? We're going to write your names down and we're going to send a letter off to the king. I want to give you this morning four encouraging statements about rebuilding that will hopefully give you a resolve to rebuild. Number one, the first statement is God had not changed. God had not changed. I challenge you to write every single one of these down. God had not changed. I am so thankful for this. You see, the God, God had called them to build his temple. God had called them to rebuild the temple. They had left Persia. They had made the trip all the way down back to Jerusalem and Judah. And they arrived and they began building. We learned a couple of weeks ago that the resistance came up. The adversaries showed up and they stopped the building. And for over 20 years, they did not accomplish what God had instructed them to accomplish. But guess what? The only thing that changed was the Jews. Listen to me. The only thing that changed was the Jews. God had not changed. Guess what God wanted? God still wanted them to rebuild. For 20 years, God still wanted them to rebuild. He still wanted them to accomplish the task that he had commissioned them to do in the first place. 
He was still ready and willing to provide for that. God had not changed. Guess what? In your life, you may have changed. You may have taken a direction that God did not want you to take. You may have taken a direction that you yourself did not initially intend to take. You may have done something to disrupt God's plan for your life. But I'm encouraged that Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Lord. God is God. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is consistent. He changes not, the Bible says. He is constant. He is forever. Revelation tells us that he is the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the same all the way through. He is God. No matter where you get in your life, hear me, no matter where you get in your life, you can always know that God will always be in the same place. He is constant. The Bible says that if we will draw nigh unto God, he will draw nigh unto us. How do we draw nigh unto God if we don't know where he is? The fact of the matter is we do know where he is because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's constant. He's always in the same place. He's always waiting, willing, and ready to be merciful unto us. His mercies are new every morning, and God is ready for us to take the step back. Man, I'm encouraged by that. I'm excited by that, that God had not changed. We change all the time, don't we? We mess up. We go our own direction. We allow resistance to come into our lives and we stop rebuilding. We do all these types of things that that encourage ourselves to walk away from God, yet God stays the same. No matter where you get, always know that God will be in the same place. God will have the same plan for your life. And he will always be there for you when you want to come back. Be encouraged by that. Praise the Lord. God had not changed. These Jews begin looking at their building that was not happening. And for over 20 years, they knew that that was what they were supposed to accomplish in their lives. They knew that God had called them to do that. They had left. They had gone. They had built a shell of a portion of it. And they begin to look at that and think, God has not changed. We changed. We need to get back to doing this. But this story is all too familiar. Ezra chapter 4, if you are inclined to have a look back, it started almost the exact same way. They are building. Verse 1 of chapter 4 says, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel. So they're building adversaries rising up against them. Letters being written to the king. It's not necessarily your ideal situation, is it? And here we are in chapter 5 all over again. Same thing happening. Same exact process. Start rebuilding. Adversaries come. Letters written to the king. I'm sure they're having flashbacks. Oh, here we go again. This is the same thing that happened the last time. This is the same thing. Oh, the letter's going to get to the king, and he's going to send back. Well, we might as well just try and get a few things done before they cancel it all again. However, I want you to understand that there's one thing that's different in this. We understand God has not changed, but I want you to see something different. 
I want you to see number two, their perspective changed. Their perspective changed. If you'll remember and you'll look back, and I won't take the time to look back completely, but I want you to think about this. At one point when the king wrote and said, you are to cease building, do not build anymore until I give you word, guess what they did? They laid down their tools and they walked away. They, did it, they had to do it by force. The adversaries forced them. But in their minds, they're thinking, well, the king has told us, the king has commanded us that we can no longer build. But who had commanded them to build in the first place? God. You, you can talk, okay? It's all right. It was God's moving. It was God's building. It was what God had intended for their lives. It was God moving the heart of Cyrus. It was God stirring the heart of the people. It was God's building. I want you to see in Ezra chapter 6 what happens. I want you to see their perspective change. Ezra chapter 6, look at verse 14. And the elders of the Jews builded, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Iddo. Watch. And they builded and finished it. Watch now. According to the commandment of the God of Israel. That's number one. Look at number two. And according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. Do you see what just happened? Their perspective changed just oh so little bit. Because no longer was it about what the king necessarily commanded. It was what God had commanded. They were rebuilding according to what God had commanded. I want you to go to Zechariah again uh, very quickly. We read this verse last week. Zechariah chapter 4 in verse 6. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. This is how their perspective changed. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. The Bible says, Then answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You see, it was no longer about Zerubbabel's might. It was no longer about anything, any outside circumstances that were taking place. It was by the Spirit of God that it was going to be rebuilt. It was by the commandment of God that it was going to be rebuilt. It was no longer a project to them. It was no longer a side job. It was a resolution to fulfill the glory of God. They weren't looking at this anymore as just a, a temple. They weren't looking at this anymore as just a building. They weren't looking at this anymore as just a project that they could do instead of being in Persia. They get to be in their homeland. No, no, no. It was something that they were constant and resolved to do to glorify God because he had commanded them so. Their perspective changed. This was not about their safety anymore. This was not about their safety anymore. This was not about their fortune. This was not about their rights. This was not about their fears. This was not about them. I want you to understand their perspective had changed. It was about committing to what God had called them to do in the first place. Listen, sometimes in life, what we need is a perspective change. What we need is a perspective change. I have always loved Albert Einstein's definition of insanity. I've always loved it because it relegates to who I am. 
Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Man, we do this all the time. Look at your life. How many times have you done the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again, expecting different results? I have. Sometimes more than I care to admit. But that's literally Albert Einstein's definition of insanity. When it comes, though, to our spiritual life, hear me, we really do this all the time. We really do this all the time. We look at our lives and we see things that are going on and we hang on and we hang on and we hang on and we think that something is going to change as long as we are in control of it. We keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. You see the Jews in this passage, they get up, they rebuild, but unless they change their perspective, hear me, unless they change their perspective, nothing else will be different. The same exact thing. We'll look at that in just a second. I want you to understand this. When our perspective changes, we give things into God's hands and we begin to see real change. When our perspective changes, we give things into God's hands and we begin to see things really change. These Jews, this time around, we'll see, are completely dependent upon God. Their perspective had changed read a poem recently called In Whose Hands. Maybe you've heard it before. A basketball in my hands is worth about $19. A basketball in Michael Jordan's hands is worth about $33 million. It depends whose hands it's in. A baseball in my hands is worth about 6 bucks, But a baseball in Mark McGuire's hands is worth $19 million. It depends whose hands it's in. A tennis racket is literally useless in my hands. A tennis racket in Pete Sampras' hands is a Wimbledon championship. It depends whose hands it's in. A rod in my hands will keep a wild animal away. A rod in Moses' hands will part the mighty sea. It depends whose hands it's in. A slingshot in my hands is a kid's toy. A slingshot in David's hands is a mighty weapon. It depends whose hands it's in. Two fish and five loaves of bread in my hands is a couple of fish sandwiches. It depends, excuse me, two fish and five loaves of bread in God's hands will feed thousands. It depends whose hands It's in. Nails in my hands might produce a birdhouse. Nails in Jesus Christ's hands will produce salvation for the entire world. It depends whose hands it's in. As you see now, it depends whose hands it's in. So we can put our concerns, our worries, our fears, our hopes, our dreams, our families, our relationships in God's hands because it depends whose hands it's in. The author's unknown, but man, there's truth here. 
truth. Listen, you can do the same thing over and over and over. Oh, you might make a little tweak here and there, but here's what you're doing. It's you are controlling your situation. You are saying, I am going to control. I am going to handle all of these things, and I'm not going to let those adversaries come in. I, 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 I. Hear me. You are insane. You are doing the same thing over and over and over again. There are times in our lives where we have to let go and let God. You've heard that before. Let go and just let God. Let me ask you, what are you hanging on to? What are you trying to change in your life that you have not had very good success with? It's time to give it into God's hands. It's time to fork it over and say, God, I can't handle this anymore. You have to do something. I'm just going to do what you commanded me to do. I'm going to give my perspective to you. No longer is it going to be about me. It's going to be about fulfilling what you want. Number three, this one's important. Their immediate circumstances did not change. Their perspective changed. But hear me, their immediate circumstances did not change. The Jews did not have their immediate circumstances change right away. Their adversaries, guess what? Still there. Their adversaries, guess what? Still writing letters. Their adversaries, guess what? Still frustrating their purpose. All the same things. Really nothing had changed. Nothing about their circumstances had changed. There will be times in your life when you resolve to rebuild and nothing about your current circumstances will change. Been there? I've been there. I've been there. I've been at an altar, at a youth conference or in some other event, maybe just even a church meeting where I've given my life to God and said, I'm going to resolve to do this. And I think, I genuinely think that in day one, I mean, things are going to change dramatically and immediately. In fact, I talk myself into that. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen when I do the right thing. You give things to God's hands and you expect things to change. That's not usually how God works, is it? Resolve takes a concerted and consistent effort. Resolve takes a concerted and consistent effort. I want you to understand that you have no control over your circumstances. Think about that. You have no control over your circumstances. You have no control with what goes on outside of your life. No control. The only thing that you have control over is your actions. The only thing you have control over is your actions and your reactions. That's it. You cannot control the outcome of your actions. Hear that again. You cannot control the outcome of your actions. I have tried to do the right thing, and it has caused bigger problems. Ever been there? Man, I just want to do the right thing, and it causes more tension. It causes bigger problems. And you think, this is going to subside everything. A, a soft answer turneth away wrath, and grievous words serve anger. So I'm going to return a soft answer, and it's just going to deflate the situation. Right? Not always the case, is it? 
I had one time, I remember I've given this illustration before, and I, I just thought, a soft answer turns away your wrath. A soft answer turns away your wrath. And it just got worse. Until I realized that really my goal is not for him to be less angry. My goal is for me to soft answer. My, my goal is for me to do right. My circumstances may not change, and that guy might continue to yell at me for the next 10 to 15 minutes and be angry at me. But listen, I want you to understand, my goal is for me to do right. My circumstances may never change. These Jews decided no more. I don't care what circumstances happen. I don't care what comes into our lives. We are just going to rebuild. This is what God has called us to do. We are just going to continue and move forward. They had resolved to do it God's way, no matter what the circumstances. They had to trust that God would take care of the problems. You see, we want everything done when we want it done, how we want it done. However, when we have a resolve to rebuild, we will rebuild no matter what the circumstances. That's what resolve means. No matter what hits me, no matter what tries to shake me, I shall not be moved. I'm resolved. No longer to linger. Charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler. These have allured my sight. I will hasten to Him. I am going to move forward. I'm going to keep moving toward God. No matter how much resistance, no matter if things go according to our expectations or not, we just keep trusting God. People resolve. If you do this, I can guarantee that you will see the fourth one. I can guarantee, listen to me, that you will see the fourth one. And we don't know what the fourth one always looks like, but I can guarantee this will happen. Number four, God was working in unseen ways. Man, listen, you put your head down and you work and you do what God has called you to do and you may not see immediate circumstances. Listen, there are times in our lives where I've gone out and I've door knocked and I've soul wind and I've done all kinds of different things. And listen, immediate circumstances didn't change a whole lot. I got doors slammed in my face and I got people that didn't want to talk to me and I had all kinds of different things that went on in my life. But listen, that is what God has called me to do. And unbeknownst to me, God was working in the background because you just do what's right. You change your perspective and say, God, it doesn't matter what happens. My perspective is you now. Your immediate circumstances won't change, but God will work in unseen ways. Look at Ezra chapter 5. Look at verse 5 again. Watch this. I love this so much. Verse 5. But the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews. Watch this. That they could not cause them to cease. Do you realize what happened here? God's eye was upon them. He was giving them the strength that they needed to not give up. Unbeknownst to them, you don't know, you don't necessarily feel power surge through your body. Well, I'm not giving up today. No, but God gives you the strength and he gives it to you when you need it. It's unseen. We, if we look at this, you'll notice at the end of verse 5, till the matter come to Darius. Do you remember who the last king was? 
Ahasuerus and Artaxerxes. Guess what God did? Changed the king. Listen, they had no control over who the king was. They had no control over who the king was, but guess what? God changed the king. You might think, well, that's normal. That happens all the time. I don't care what you think. I'm telling you what God does. God changes things like that at a specific time for a specific purpose. It is God who works. Look what else God did. You look through this passage and you find out that Darius gets a letter written to them. And at the end, of verse, or at the end of chapter 6, excuse me, chapter 5 and into first chapter 6, then Darius the king a decree, made a decree and search was made in the house of the rolls where the treasures were laid up in Babylon. And there was found an Akamatha in the palace that is in the province of Medes, a roll, and therein was a record thus written in the first year of Cyrus the king. The same Cyrus the king made a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem, that the house be builded, the place where they offered sacrifices, that the foundations thereof be strongly laid, the height thereof three square cubits, and the breadth thereof three square cubits, and it continues. Guess what? God allowed the king to find the record. God was working. How come he didn't let Ahasuerus and Artaxerxes find that? How come he didn't do that? I don't know. All I know is they resolved to do what God had instructed them to do, and God began to work in mysterious ways. We watch and we see the king makes a decree and says you are to continue to build. And guess what? Finally, the Jews see their immediate circumstances change. Do you know how long it took to get back to that point? Man, months. Months of time before finally the adversaries no longer have a leg to stand on. They no longer have any problems to deal with. Maybe they have some fatigue. Maybe they have a little bit of frustration, but no longer they are just going to do this. Listen to me. Just because your immediate circumstances don't change immediately does not mean that God is not working. You have to trust in that process. It's hard. Believe you me, it's hard. You want things to change immediately. You want to make an instant change. You want instant gratification. You're in the habit of writing things down, and I ask you to write this down. Perform the task that God has given you and trust Him with the details. These Jews just said, I'm going to build. I am going to build. God, you're going to have to deal with these adversaries. God, you're going to have to deal with the king. God, you're going to have to deal with this. God, you're going to have to deal with that. God, you're going to have to deal with that person that's frustrating me. God, you're going to have to deal with this thing that's going on. God, you're going to have to deal with the government. God, you're going to have to deal with this and that and the other thing. Listen, hear me. God has to deal with a lot of things in life. But when we try to control and we try to make things happen ourselves because we think we're powerful enough, we're going to end up failing, falling flat on our face and being doing nothing for over 20 years. If we're going to rebuild, we must have a resolve to rebuild. God will work in your life if you will just resolve to rebuild. Rebuild your life on God and His Word. Maybe today you have never given your life to God. As I look across this room, I think everyone here knows Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, but if you don't, if you don't know, 
resolve on God starts with understanding that you are a sinner. Trusting in Him. That sin keeps us from having a relationship with God. It sends us to hell, the Bible says. Sin has to be paid for. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but there's a gift from God. The gift of God is eternal life. You see, God sent His only begotten Son to this earth for our sins, to die for our sins. The sin of the entire world, your sin, my sin, was placed on Him, and He died so that we can have eternal life. You just have to accept that. You just have to believe that. Accept the free gift of salvation. This is the foundation of rebuilding. No other foundation can any man lay than that was laid. Jesus Christ. That's the foundation of your building. If you don't have that, you cannot rebuild. You will never rebuild unless you set your foundation upon Him. Listen, if you don't know Him today, I hope today you will understand that nothing will happen in your life as long as you continue to try to do the same thing. As long as you continue to try to keep a handle on things. As long as you continue to hold on. You've got to release that and let God handle them. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, Casting all your care upon Him. Why? For He careth for you. And we just hold on. Listen, if you're going to rebuild... Realize that God will never change. Realize that you need to make a perspective change. You need to look at things differently. Realize that your immediate circumstances are not going to change immediately. And realize that if you will do that, God will begin to work in unseen ways. Let's resolve this morning to rebuild. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all you do for us. Thank you for allowing us to have this time. Father, there are so many times in my life where I have given up because I had forgotten and I had not placed my faith and trust in you to take care of the details. Father, I pray that this morning, for me personally, in my life right now, that you would help me again to resolve, to rebuild. Help me again to see that you want the best for me. And though I may try to control things and though I may try to, uh, though I will mess up, help me to constantly and consistently give things back to you. Help my perspective be solely on you. Help me not to look at my immediate circumstances, but help me to see how you're working. Father, if there's something in my life that I'm doing wrong, change me. Father, for these people that sit here before me, I pray the same thing. Help us to resolve, to rebuild our lives upon you. I pray all these things in your name. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. It's our time where we make a decision. Maybe you just need to write down today and say, no more. No more. I am resolved to rebuild. Nothing is going to stop me. 
Maybe you need to write down, I'm just going to trust God to take care of the details. I've been trying to control them for too long. And I'm going to give them to God. I, I don't know what your decision needs to be, but I pray that today you'll write something down and make a decision. Let's go ahead and